Good morning, church. How are we? Good, good. Hey, have you ever wondered, did famous people know, like when they were kids, that they would end up being famous? Like, have you ever wondered if like great people or famous people ever had some sort of notion, intuition when they were younger that they would eventually become famous? You know, for example, did Michael Jordan know when he was a kid playing basketball that maybe one day he would become the greatest of all time? Did, did LeBron James know when he was a kid playing basketball, did he know that maybe one day he would eventually break Kareem's scoring record, maybe this week or next week? I wonder if Albert Einstein ever realized when he was small that like, I'm smarter than everyone in this room. Do you think these guys ever had these moments where they were like, I'm probably gonna become something great? And I don't know, because I never got to meet any of them, but I wonder about you. Did you know that you would become, and fill in the blank, when you were a kid? Did you know that you would become the profession that you have or the, have the family that you have? Did you have some sort of intuition when you were younger that you would become what you have become? And maybe some of you wonder about some of us on staff, like did Fitz know, did I know that I was gonna be a pastor when I was a kid? And I wish I could tell you the answer was yes, but it wasn't. If I think back on my career experiences, I did not know I was going to become a pastor standing on a stage speaking to people. I was worked at Radio Shack, I worked at Subway, I was a chemical plant intern for a little bit, that was fun. I was delivery driver manager, uh, a teacher, and now a pastor. And you ask, well, what was your degree in college? History. So clearly I had no idea what I was going to do or what I was going to become when I was a kid. And you may relate to that. I have a feeling very few of us have nice straight lines from our childhood to where we are now. For some of us, it's probably a lot of twists and turns and, and loops, right, to getting to where we are today. But here we are. And sometimes we wonder, how did we get here? But this morning, I wanna answer this question for you. Did Jesus know he was God when he was a boy? Did Jesus know he was God when he was a boy? If you're new with us this morning, my name is Mark. I'm on staff here. I'm director of Next Steps and just want to welcome you officially if this is your first time or maybe you're returning from being a while gone. Welcome. If you're online, let your host know where you're watching from. If you are new with us, we're, we're spending the year going through a, a book together called the Bible, but through something called Quest 52. And it's just a daily pursuit of Jesus. And so if you are new with us, I would encourage you to stop in the lobby and pick up a copy of that. If you're online, let your host know your address and we'll mail you a copy so that you can engage with us starting next week. If you are regular here and you've gotten into now four or five weeks of the book and you've gotten a little lazy and have left it to the side and haven't read anything in a week or two, I might encourage you to pick that up, blow the dust off of it, open it up and re-engage with us as we continue through this series together. And this morning, we're looking at the question, did Jesus know he was God when he was a boy? And I have to be honest, that's a difficult question to kind of answer because we rely on scripture here for truth. And when we look in scripture, there's not a whole lot about Jesus's childhood. There's just not. We know his birth narrative, right, the Christmas story, uh, there's a story when he's a, uh, a few days later when they're presented at the temple, and then we have a story when he was 12 years old. And that's really about all the information we have to go on. Now, depending on your background, you may say, no, 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 I know some other things about Jesus' 
childhood. I read some stuff on the internet. Be careful what you read on the internet. If you go to Google and type in, did Jesus know he was a boy when he was God? You're gonna get some interesting responses. There are some writings out there that are not first century based, that are not considered part of the canon, the traditional understanding of scripture in Jesus's life that tell all kinds of uh, fantastical stories about Jesus's childhood, but they're just not true. And so we wanna rely solely on scripture this morning. You know, Jesus had 12 really close friends. And I have some close friends, I have some buddies, and when we get together, we tell stories. Anybody else like that? When you get together with your friends, you often tell stories, and usually they're embarrassing stories from your childhood. You're like, you'll never believe I did this thing this one time. And so when I think about why don't we know more about Jesus's childhood, it really makes me wonder. I mean, Jesus had 12 really close friends. We call those his disciples, if you've been around the Bible, we call those his disciples. These are 12 dudes that he traveled with. I mean, they camped together. They, they traveled from village to village, teaching and preaching and evangelizing. And I, I just have to imagine there was a moment where one of them, and I like to picture it being Peter. Peter's one of my favorite disciples. He's kind of this, you know, bigger than life, loud mouth, action oriented, put his foot in his mouth sort of guy. I can relate to his story there. I have to imagine at some point they're walking along the road and, and Peter comes up and he's like, hey, Jesus, no one else is listening. Like, when did you know you could walk on water? You know, like, did, did you ever like heal a broken bone when you were a kid? Did you ever like, you know, disappear and then reappear and scare Mary? Like, did you know that you were God, right? How do, did you know these things early on? I, I have no idea if that happened, by the way. I'm just speculating that 12 dudes traveling together probably told some stories. And so I'm sure Jesus let them in on his childhood a little bit, but Matthew, Mark, nor John record any of Jesus's childhood stories. And when you think about it, while it seems weird, it actually makes a whole lot of sense. Because Matthew, Mark, and John, and the other disciples were traveling with Jesus, and they were seeing him do things like heal leprosy, which was a skin disease, right? They, they saw him resurrect someone from the dead, Right? They, they saw him preach to thousands of people to multiply food. They saw him cure blindness, walk on water, make paralyzed people walk again, be crucified, buried in a tomb, and then come back to life. I think maybe they found those more important than what Jesus was doing when he was eight years old. And so really when you think about it, if you have limited time to tell about the most important person you've ever met, you might skip over the small stuff and go straight to the things that really bring hope and significance, right? I, I don't think they would've been like, Jesus, that's cool, I'm glad you raised Lazarus from the dead. What were you doing when you were eight? Right, I don't think that's their frame of reference. I don't know that that's the most logical question you ask after seeing something like that. And so we don't have a lot of narratives about Jesus's story, his childhood story. And, and actually, I wanna encourage you with that this morning. Uh, if you're ever in a season of doubt, or you have questions about your faith, and that will happen from time to time. Try not to dwell on the things you don't know. Focus on what you do know. Look at what Jesus did. Let that be hopeful for you and be a guide for you. Don't worry about what did or what, what might have happened. Look at what did happen. Maybe when you're talking to a skeptic, you know we're encouraging everyone this year to pick one and to really try and disciple them. 
right, to, to help them find and follow Jesus. Maybe they're a skeptic and they just want to poke holes in the Bible or in the narrative of Jesus uh, to try and find a reason not to believe. I would encourage you not to try to answer every single question someone has. A lot of times, that's not the point. I think you should focus on what you do know. Look at the life of Jesus. Do what the disciples did. Yeah, 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 all that stuff we could talk about, but let me tell you about the Jesus I know. And this is what he did, and this is what is recorded. So let's deal with that. Right, if you're working with someone in a tragic situation, you're at a funeral home, or you're dealing with someone in grief, don't try to offer clever little uh, you know, sayings that make them feel better. Just tell them what you know. My Jesus will heal people, and he will bring hope into broken situations. He can resurrect this moment in time. Recall how Jesus cured you of your sin disease and mine. Right, this incurable disease that we cannot take care of ourselves that Jesus took care of through his death on the cross, giving us a life of purpose and meaning now as we wait for our eternal home in heaven. It is okay to have some unknown answers and to have some questions that don't have nice, clear-cut answers. The disciples didn't seem to let that worry them because they focused on the Jesus that they saw doing amazing, wonderful things. In fact, I might encourage you with some lyrics to a, a famous Christian song. It started to come on the radio. It's called A Million Little Miracles, and it's written by Elevation Worship. But I love what the songwriter says here. I resonate with this. He says, all my life, I've been carried by grace. Don't ask me how, because I can't explain. It's nothing short of a miracle that I'm here. I've got some blessings that I don't deserve. I've got some scars, but that's how you learn. It's nothing short of a miracle I'm here. He says, I think it over and it doesn't add up. I know it comes from above. I've got miracles on miracles, a million little miracles. One, two, three, four, I can't even count them all and he gives up because there's so many miracles that we can focus on and so much that we do know. Don't let what you don't know cause you to drift. All our doubts, all our questions, all our fears, I think can be addressed by what we do know about Jesus. And yet, I think God's infinitely wise, right? I think he knew that even presenting Jesus and saying, listen, he has authority over nature. He can calm the seas, he can walk on water. He has the authority over life and death. Someone would still say, but did he know he was God when he was a boy? As if knowing that answer would determine their faith. And so God gives us an answer to that question. In the Gospel of Luke, he gives us a snapshot into the life of Jesus, a moment when Jesus was 12 years old that I think tells us everything we need to know about uh, the childhood of Jesus. And so we're gonna look at that passage today. If you wanna follow along, you can text NOTES to 502-289-1387 and follow along if you don't already have that. And the, the scripture will be on the screen. So let's look at Luke together. And see what he says about this moment in Jesus' childhood. The only story we have of Jesus as a child. So follow along here. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they, being his parents, were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. That's an interesting way to say that. They were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus responds, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he, Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then it concludes with, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So there you have it. There's the one story we know about Jesus's childhood. And so we have to answer the question today, did Jesus know he was God when he was a boy? And I'm gonna say yes, based on what we learn from this story. Right, when they, they find him in Jerusalem, and by the way, as a parent, you might be like, how did you lose Jesus? Right, Mary, I mean, remember the angels saying like, this boy's special, you can't lose him. Like, you know, don't, don't get him. There's a whole section in the book this week, if you'll read that, that explains that it's really not that far out of, you know, our imagination that Jesus kind of got lost in the crowd there. There's some customs there and the way that they traveled in that time period. Wasn't like he had a plane ticket and they were, you know, where's Kevin? They, it was not that sort of moment. <laughs> Right, there was some traveling going on you know, with large groups of people, and so it's not as crazy as you might think. They were pretty good parents. Right, I have to imagine Joseph in that moment when Jesus is like, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He's like, wait a minute, I'm your dad. Oh, wait, no, I'm, I'm not your dad. This, this awkward moment of like trying to figure out how do I navigate this? What was Jesus saying to them when he looked at them and said, why are you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Some translations say about my father's business. What he's saying is, hey, mom and dad, I'm not like you. I'm different. I'm sure Mary told him stories of his birth and the miraculous part of all that story at some point in his life. And he's like, listen, I'm not like you. I know things that you don't know. And think about it. He's sitting there with the highest teachers in the land and he's asking questions and it says they were amazed. Now, I have a 10 year old, he asked a lot of questions. I don't know that I'm amazed by the questions he asked, right? Some of them were good, most of them, you know, I actually can't answer because I don't know. But it says they were amazed. It was like maybe he was revealing things to them that had been hidden up until that time. So Jesus is asking questions, he's delivering information to them and they are amazed as what he's sharing. I think that gives us a lot of evidence that says Jesus knew he was special. Jesus knew he was God in that moment, telling his parents, why were you looking for me? I'm not like you. And that's where, for me, the story gets really interesting because Jesus is God. That's a lot of power for a 12-year-old. Some of you are like, I've got a teenager who thinks they're God right now. I know what that might feel like. All right, Jesus is God, and here he is 12 years old, and what's fascinating is what he does with that power that I think really illustrates that he is God. And so it gets really interesting, so keep following along. We're gonna hang out on the verse this morning that he went down to Nazareth with them, his parents, and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We're gonna hang out in this one verse for the rest of this morning together. 
Now, that phrase, he went down to Nazareth. Uh, Jerusalem is built up on a city. And so, geographically speaking, he went down to the city of Nazareth. But there's more than just geography being explained by Luke here. There's a spiritual element to Jesus going down to Nazareth. You see, Jerusalem is the highest place. It's the most important city. He's sitting among the best teachers. So he's in a position now of some influence and some power, even though he's 12 years old. And what does he choose to do with that power? He chooses to walk away. He chooses to go down to Nazareth. He chooses to humble himself and to follow his parents rather than say, y'all go home, I've got stuff to do. Right? He was submissive to them. He went down to Nazareth with them. And you know, Nazareth was not a place that you really wanna be like, hey, I'm from Nazareth. People did not like really acknowledge that. In fact, his enemies would use that against him to say nothing good can, can come from that town. And maybe you relate to Jesus in that way. Maybe you don't come from the greatest background. Maybe your family of origin isn't one that you would celebrate. Maybe you've made some decisions in your life that you're not proud of. Maybe you don't have the highest level education or the nicest home. Don't let that define you. Jesus's birthplace didn't define him. So don't let that define you. Because you see, in your weakness, he becomes strong. Look on a little later, Jesus tells a story. So he tells a parable to illustrate a point. And this is what he says to his disciples. He says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Like <laughs> imagine this, if like you're invited to a wedding and you sit at the wedding party table, even though you're not family. I think that's kind of what he's saying. Like that, that wouldn't be cool, don't do that. But when you are invited, he's assuming you're going to be invited, I guess you're worth inviting, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, Jesus chose humility over power. Even at 12 years old, Jesus chose humility over power. And so I wonder for you and I, when's the last time we went down to Nazareth? When's the last time we chose to humble ourselves rather than inflate ourselves? When we have opportunities to flex our power, do we do that or do we remain humble? I hope it can be said of us that we are people who are humble let me give you an example of how this might look in your everyday life. Maybe you're a husband listening. As a husband, do you wield power over your wife or do you humbly serve her just as Christ served the church and loved it so much that he laid down his life? As an employer, maybe you own a business. Do you, do you hold an employee's paycheck over their head as leverage to get them to do what you want or do you come alongside them and serve in the same mission together? As church leaders, some of us listening are church leaders, do we act spiritually superior and try to use our knowledge and position to inflate our sense of self-worth? Or do we walk alongside people and help them as they pursue Jesus? Many of you listening are parents. As parents, do we use our power to scare and intimidate our children into submission? Or do we express humility and mercy and love 
just like Christ showed us. I hope it can be said of me that I choose humility over power. I hope it can be said of you, I hope it can be said of this church, this body of believers, that we choose humility every chance we get. This is Jesus when he's 12, by the way, showing such humility. Look at what else happens in this verse. Right, it says, he went down to Nazareth and was obedient to them. That's interesting. It was obedient to them. Now, them being his parents. You ever thought about God being obedient? That's an interesting concept, isn't it? God being obedient. Jesus chose to obey his earthly parents that, that God the Father had put in his life to help raise him as a man. He chose to obey them. Therefore, he's honoring God in that decision. Right? Jesus chose obedience. I mean, think about that. That's, that's pretty wild. And in fact, I think Jesus lived such a life of obedience that he, he changed the people around him. Remember I mentioned Peter earlier, this kind of big, larger-than-life character who would often stick his foot in his mouth. If you remember, or maybe you're new to this, he actually cut a guy's ear off one time trying to defend Jesus. I mean, that's who Peter was. I don't know that obedient would be the word he would use to describe himself. Like, hey, I'm Peter, the most obedient guy ever. That's not how he would have described himself. And yet, listen to what he writes in one of his letters as he's matured in Christ. 1 Peter 2, 13 and 15 says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And this guy was a zealot. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. You see, Jesus chose obedience over dissent. Would you describe yourself as an obedient person? It, it, most of us could probably put ourselves on a continuum of rebel to rule follower and probably find ourselves somewhere in the, some of us are more naturally maybe rebellious. Some of us might be more naturally inclined to just be rule followers. And really when we, when we talk about those two categories, we're missing the point because obedience is not so much about how you follow the rules. It's about the posture of your heart and the attitude you have of those who are in authority over you. In fact, there are plenty of scriptures that would suggest Jesus broke a lot of rules. He healed people on a Sunday. Can you imagine healing someone? How dare you on Sunday? I mean, he, or on, on, on the Sabbath. So, you know, he broke laws. Peter, who wrote this, right, was told, you are not allowed to preach the gospel. He was beaten for that. And what did he do the next day? He went back in the streets and started preaching the gospel. Obedience doesn't mean we follow every single rule that an authority places on us. If it contradicts what God says in his word, then we follow God. We follow God's command always. But obedience is more about the posture of our heart, how we approach those in authority over us. You see, rebels and rule followers can both honor God. Maybe this is what it looks like in your life. We're all children, right? As children, do we honor our parents with kindness and mercy? Or do we sit in judgment and blame them for how we turned out? As church members, do we seek to make our own voice heard and our opinions known? Or do we work alongside those God has equipped for ministry to help others find and follow Jesus? Here's a tough one for you you may not like. As citizens, do we honor our leaders whether we voted for them or if we even liked them? Or do we spew vitriol and, and secretly and sometimes outwardly root for their failure? 
You see, obedience is a posture of our heart towards those in authority over us. Jesus chose obedience over dissent. I hope we can do the same. And then the verse concludes with, if you look at it, he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And if I'm honest, this is the hardest person, point of the verse to really wrap our minds around because if Jesus is God, how did he grow? Can God grow? Did Jesus grow into becoming God? It seems to contradict, doesn't it? Like how can he be God but yet also grow? But we believe that God, that Jesus was both fully God and fully man. We get that from the birth story. He is fully God, but yet he is man as well. And so this scripture is not saying that Jesus was not divine until he got older. It's just celebrating his humanity. It's saying that he, as a man, had to grow just like we do at times. It doesn't negate his divinity. But I want you to look at that passage with me. Do you see what he grew in? It says, Jesus grew in wisdom. All right, you're awake, you're with me. He grew in wisdom. It doesn't say he grew in knowledge. It doesn't say he grew in political savvy. It doesn't say that he grew in his leadership abilities. It says that he grew in wisdom. You might be wondering, why is the hammer out here? I'm not gonna throw it, so don't be scared. You can't touch this, by the way. Anyways, um, this is a hammer. We all know what this is. We all have knowledge. You and I both know this is a hammer. Wisdom would say, use it in the right application. And if any guy in here is truly honest, you know there's many times you picked up the hammer to fix something and then realized that was the wrong tool. I've made a bigger mess than what I started with because the hammer is not the right tool for every job. You see, knowledge is knowing this is a hammer. Wisdom is using it in the right time and the right place. All right, if my dentist pulled this off of his tray, I don't think I would consider him wise. And he certainly wouldn't grow in any favor with me if he pulled this out. You see, it says Jesus grew in wisdom. Wisdom assumes that you have knowledge to act on. You ever used a hammer in the wrong time, in the wrong place? You see, Jesus chose wisdom over imprudence. He chose wisdom. And so my question is, are we growing in wisdom or just knowledge? And let me give you some examples of what that might look like. Maybe you have a lot of knowledge about the Bible. Maybe you're a Bible wizard, but people would still say you're a jerk. You got a lot of knowledge. You don't have a lot of wisdom. You're using it in the wrong way. Maybe uh, you're a church attender. You've been coming to church almost your whole life and you've been sitting and you've got a lot of hammers. You've got a lot of knowledge, but you've not done anything in your life to act upon it. And so you, you sit and you listen, but don't apply anything. I would say we would be lacking in wisdom. As a coworker, do people consider you a know-it-all, a lot of knowledge, but don't wanna be around you because you're a pain to be around? Or do you use that knowledge to help someone grow and to become a better person? You see, knowledge is great. Wisdom is so much better. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And because of growing in wisdom, he gained favor with those around him. All right, Peter says it this way. Remember Peter, my buddy? He says, but grow 
in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. You see, Jesus chose humility over power. And he chose obedience over dissent, and he chose wisdom over imprudence. And I hope that can be said of you and I. I hope we are people that choose humility daily, that choose to obey to the best of our abilities the people that God has placed in authority positions in our lives. And I hope that we grow in wisdom and not just knowledge. We grow in wisdom. You know, perhaps the greatest evidence that supports Jesus knew he was God when he was a boy is that his life ended very similarly to how it began. And, and what we see from him at age 12, there was a consistency in his life that only God can have. You see, his humility and his obedience and his wisdom led him to the cross. I, I don't know if this is good news for you or not, but choosing humility, choosing obedience, and choosing wisdom will actually lead to death of self. And through that, then Christ can shine because we all know if we choose our own way, it doesn't produce humility. Our natural, our default position is not to be humble people, not to obey. And see his humility and his obedience and his wisdom led him to the cross. And as a result, he gave his life for you and me so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And we could live a life of meaning and purpose now and forever with him. Paul summarizes it like this in a letter to the church. He says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me. We're gonna continue in our worship time together. And as we sing together this next song, I hope you just have a conversation with God. Reflect on something that, that God may be calling you to do. Maybe there's an area of pride in your life that you need to let go of and humble yourself. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to humble yourself in. Maybe there's a situation that you just need to drop some of the pride and exercise some humility. Maybe there's an area in your life where you know that you're running your own way and if you would just obey what God says, things would go a lot better for you. Maybe you need to consider giving up that thing and maybe for some of us, we've grown in a lot of knowledge, but we're not acting very wisely. And I hope maybe, maybe you take some time and think, where in my life do I need to grow in wisdom? Because there's something we can all take from the story of Christ. Did Jesus know he was God when he was a boy? Yes. And he proved that through his humility, his obedience, and his growth in wisdom that eventually set you and me free. And so I'm gonna pray. And as we sing together, you take time where you are and reflect talk to God about what might be a decision you need to make today. Let's pray together, church. God, thank you so much for loving us that you sent your one and only son, and that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. I pray for those who are in this room today or who are listening online who don't have that, that relationship with you. 
I hope that nothing stands in their way of surrendering to you today. But for those of us who have been following you for a long time, I hope we take some cues from your childhood and that we choose to be people who are humble and who are obedient and who grow in wisdom so that we can grow in favor with you and with others around us. So be with us as we continue in our worship this morning. May we have a conversation with you about what we need to do in our lives. It's in your name that we pray, God. Amen.